This episode is brought to you by SkyFit, a brand new fitness app that streams studio quality workouts to your iPhone anytime, anywhere. Go to skyfitapp.com and enter code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get one month of free unlimited classes. to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel, and we're back this week with our side hustle series where I'll be bringing guests into the studio that are doing awesome passion projects on the side of their day jobs or have turned their passion projects into their day jobs. I'll be bringing in authors, bloggers, chefs, Instagram celebrities, hopefully I'll be getting all of these people. But regardless, you'll definitely get to hear some cool stories and hopefully be inspired to start that project that you've always wanted to start. Now, quick note before we start the podcast, just because someone brought something up to me on Twitter, I figured I should address. They mentioned and remembered how in a previous episode about burnout and job burnout, I talked about how there's a lot of pressure on us these days and you feel like you need to be on all the 30 under 30 lists and you feel like you need to be some kind of award-winning person. And I did mention you feel like you need to have some amazing side hustle. And now here I am doing this side hustle series with people that do have pretty amazing side hustles. I'm here to say that there is no pressure. I'm just here to explore both sides of the story. Obviously, some people will be doing crazy passion projects when they get home from work. Some people will be like me and will sit on the couch and watch Netflix when they get home from work. Whatever you do is more than great. Hopefully these stories will simply inspire you. And if you feel like you have the energy to start something cool, awesome. Go for it. Take a cue from one of these awesome guests. If you feel like it's a Netflix night, great. You have plenty of years to start that project that you have sitting in the back of your notebook. But let me introduce our guest today. Without any further ado, I brought in Alyssa Goldberg. She writes about restaurants, trends, and food culture as the associate web editor for bonapetit.com. Now, her side hustle, funnily enough, kind of matches her main hustle because when she's not at Bon Appetit, she's drinking a lot of coffee and traveling as the executive editor and co-founder of Drift, a new print magazine about coffee and culture around the world. And she is the editor at Ambrosia, a magazine highlighting regional cuisine and culture through the eyes of chefs on the ground. So she's an editor by day and an editor by night. And she's here in the studio with me today to talk about how she balances all of these similar but very different jobs. So welcome, Melissa. Hi, it's great to meet you. It's great to meet you too. I mean, I have so many questions for you. But the first question I think is a big one, which is, why? Like, why choose to have your after work job be the same? Not I know it's not the same content, but the same type of job as your day job. Like, do you ever feel like you get to go home from work? Yes. Yeah, so my side hustle, as it were, actually predates my current day job. And I think that one oh, of the reasons okay. I was considered for my day job is because of my side hustle. So when I had graduated college, I had gone straight to law school because I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. It was something that was sort of expected for me. And I realized very shortly after that I did not want to be a lawyer. I wanted to go back into media. I had done a bunch of journalism internships in college and stuff. And when I was dropping out of law school, I realized that my portfolio wasn't very up to date. And 
as I'm sure you know, it's very hard to break back into journalism or break into it for the first time. It is. Unless you have clips under your belt from, you know, big name publications or something. And so you need to start small and build up your name and build up your name. And at the time, I was working at the UN as a speechwriter for the Afghan ambassador. And that was a sort of out of left field thing. And it was very hard to explain to journalism based publications why I should be writing for them, you know, on the internet about goofy culture things. So I started freelancing on the side and I've noticed that the pieces that I wanted to write, I either wasn't allowed to write because I was a 22, 23 year old person with supposedly very little experience and maybe I wouldn't have the chops to take on the stories that I wanted to. It's such it's like the most frustrating experience is the whole idea that like you need experience to, to get, get experience, experience, but no one will give you experience unless you have experience. And exactly. It's just like one of those endless horrible cycles. Exactly. That I I have friends going through it right now and it's like, well, how am I supposed to build up my resume if you won't give me a job to put it on my resume? <laughs> exactly. And so my brother, who is a food photographer and his girlfriend, who is a designer, she does a lot of the layout for restaurant menus and stuff. We were all kind of sitting around and we were sort of thinking about a project that we, we might like to do together, which was a coffee magazine. We were all basically the way that we end up traveling. We travel a lot is we go to a coffee shop in a city in the morning and then from there explore the neighborhood around it and just mm -hmm. sort of wander and meander and see what happens and where the day takes us. And we knew that we knew a disproportionate amount about food and travel and stuff like that. And we kind of wanted to package that experience and see what we could do. My brother would wanted to do most of the photos and Daniela wanted to do the layout and I wanted to do the editing and That's the writing. So lucky. Right. And so Since we you have all three pillars of a magazine. Exactly. Right there. We had That's all three great. pillars of a magazine and in order to hold us accountable, because that idea sort of sat on the shelf for a while. Mm -hmm. I've reached out to writers on Twitter that I liked and followed and didn't know at all. Mm -hmm. I reached out cold and I tried to get them to participate <laughs> so yeah. that we could be held accountable. But it was one of those things where I just really wanted to scratch this itch and write the kind of stories I wanted to write and edit the stories I wanted to edit because people kept telling me that I couldn't. I always do this. I get so excited about starting to talk that I don't I don't lay a good foundation. So let's talk a little bit about what drift actually is, because sure. it's not in all fairness. And because it, it would I don't know how you would yeah. physically do it. It's not like a weekly or a monthly no. magazine, because in that case, I you would have to be sitting in front of me with like eight arms and six <laughs> heads and like a body double and a clone. And that's maybe how you would do that. But why don't you tell us a little bit about how drift actually runs? So drift is a biannual magazine. So it prints usually in June and then again in December. And Ambrosia runs also biannually, and so it runs in opposite quarters, so generally in, like, March and October. But it is a city-by-city city magazine that focuses on coffee and culture. So for issue one, it was about New York. Issue two is about Tokyo. Three, Havana. And four, which we'll be printing in about three weeks, we're sending it in next week, is on Stockholm. And so, and these are big magazines, yeah, like hundred plus pages, hundred sixty pages mm -hmm. of. There's no ads. It's awesome, and it's really, really immersive photography with on topics from everything from, I don't know. In the Tokyo issue, we wrote about Murakami and black coffee drinkers in Tokyo, but then we also wrote about cat cafes and also 
about a hundred year old coffee shop and I don't know. They, it really runs the gamut. In Havana, we wrote about geopolitics and had some really deeply political articles about rationing. We have journalists on the ground that we've developed this network of that's been sort of nuts. So then where did Ambrosia come in from that? So we sort of wanted to make Drift Quarterly, but we didn't want to cannibalize the magazine. So one of the cool things about Drift is that unlike a lot of glossy publications that, you know, expire after 30 days, mm-hmm. Drift can kind of sit on your shelf for two years and yeah, it'll it's still... It's like a coffee table, it, <laughs> no pun intended. It's like a coffee table book, kind of. Yeah. And it's something that you want on your shelf and you kind of want to collect all the issues or at least the issues for the cities that most interest you. And so we thought if we published four a year that it would kind of defeat that purpose and like decrease the value of a $24 magazine. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to do something similar with food. We all have our backgrounds in food for the most part. And so we wanted to be the food magazine we wanted to see in the world, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So when when you started Drift and Ambrosia and, and had those, how old were you and what were you doing during the day at the time? So we started talking about Drift. I was 23. Mm-hmm. When we actually printed Drift, I was newly 24. We started printing Ambrosia also 24. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I had just left the UN and started working at a company called eMarketer. It's a market research company. And for a while, I was an executive assistant. Mm -hmm. And then after about six months, I finally gained the chops. Yeah. (laughs) They finally let me write. And I wrote about retail and e-commerce, like basically compiling a bunch of data and analyzing marketplace trends, where consumers are, what they buy, why they buy it, and what marketing works to target them. And then when, how long from then did you move to Bon Appetit? So I was promoted that first time in late 2013. Mm-hmm. And then the thing was that in mid-2014, I started looking for other jobs because I felt undervalued. Mm-hmm. And even though Adam and Daniela and I had been talking about starting Drift, we actually hadn't pulled the trigger on anything. I had sort of put out some feelers for some articles I wanted to write in New York. One was about why baristas are so snobby about decaf coffee when I asked for it. And, <laughs> and I've then, never asked for decaf coffee, so I, but you get the mo shade for it. That's <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> well, I, I probably can't. I need like I extra ca- caffeine in the morning, but more power to anyone who can drink decaf. Go yeah, for it. And I had applied to kind of like a new media company that wasn't all that respected. And I got into final rounds and I was told that the people I was applying against, you know, some of them have have written for the New York Times and whatever. Right. And I was and like, they are like major award winners. Was, and, That's so great. Yeah. Except then what about me? Right? right. And so I got so angry at being denied at that job that I went back to Adam Danielle and I was like, this idea that we have, what do we need to do to make it real? Mm-hmm. And the first step was, okay, well, maybe we need to get other writers on board so that we can fill 160 pages so I'm not killing myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started reaching out to people and seeing whether but you were were still at eMarketer I was still at eMarketer and so I would work on it in the morning so I didn't start at eMarketer till about 10 a.m and then uh, from like 6 p.m to 10 p.m probably Mm -hmm. and then on weekend days 
So what I think is so interesting is other people I've talked to, we've only done one episode previously, but people I've talked to about side hustles, often it's like they're at a job and this idea comes to them of a passion project they want to work on or something they've always loved. And it kind of informs who they are and kind of, you know, maybe it turns into a job or something like that, but it starts by them maybe not being super fulfilled at their current job. I just think it's really interesting that it sort of worked in reverse for you. Like this was originally your main hustle in a way. Like this came first before maybe you worked at Bon Appetit and before you worked at eMarketer. This was sort of milling around in your head. So I'm just curious like how you think that having this magazine has changed you as an employee, has changed like the direction you wanted to do in your life and the path that you kind of took before getting to the food writing? That's a good question. So I had always wanted, I like owning things and I Mm -hmm. like building things. Uh, And the problem with being young and the problem with being a young woman is that people don't let you do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) as often as you would like. And the problem with a side hustle where you are the boss is that it's frustrating to watch management when you ideal you run things at the way that you would ideally like them to be run mm-hmm. and then you go to work and you have to answer to other people not running oh, things so in the true. same way yeah so that is very frustrating but e-marketers culture is very lax in a lot of ways it's the in so many ways it's a really f- wonderful work culture there are no vacation days and people actually take a lot of vacation you can sort of come and go as you please as long as you get your work done And that, for me, gave me a lot of flexibility to do things like this. Like I could, you know, dip for an hour in the middle of the day and go interview someone. Mm -hmm. But when I was at eMarketer, I wanted to apply to media media companies. Mm -hmm. And I was applying to media companies, but no one was looking at me, right? And so I was freelancing on the side also. And so I was writing uh trying to build my portfolio but then also trying to build drift which no one took seriously anyway because it only this had... just feels like i just am like picturing you like juggling a lot of things yeah right now. like you're applying to jobs you have a current job you're running a magazine and i mean what made you want to like you just said you own a magazine you own this space you own this food magazine so why did you opt for another media publication where you'd be working for another food magazine that had a really established structure, that had a really established editorial calendar. Like, what was that transition like to go from your own food magazine that you conceived and created to something that's been around for, like, you know, years and has a very structured following at this point? Yeah, I think that there's a couple of reasons for that. The first is money. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Right. I mean, I need a day job until my own magazines pay enough. Yeah. That isn't a day job. The second thing is that I need more experience, right? Like if Bon Appetit has been around for 60 to 70 years, something works. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. I think it's the best food magazine in the game and I'm really proud to work there. And I think that I can learn a lot from people who have been around the block for a while. Do you ever feel burnt out from media? Like just because your life is a 24-7 editorial calendar in a lot of ways. In some ways, yes. But in other ways, the things that I find media-y mm-hmm. are mainstream media things. Okay. Like are the sort of indie mag things that we do. It's literally just me and my brother and his girlfriend sitting around It's still it. just the three of you? Yeah. It's, I mean, on main staff, it's whatever, the three of us. And then our friend Bonjuing copy edits for us. 
And then we have a network of freelancers. For each issue, we have about 10 to 12 freelancers. And we have some core people who have stayed on from issue one and now are writing for us regularly. But otherwise, yeah, it's just sort of us kicking it and trying to do the things that we want to see because they just don't exist. Do you ever feel a weird competitiveness or like a conflict of interest with things that you want to write for Bon Appetit or things you're asked to cover or investigate and like thinking, oh, that'd be great for Drift, but like, I don't know if I can write it. You know, I don't know what the rules are around that. Like, is there ever any kind of conflicting overlap? I wish. I think that because so Drift and Ambrosia are print only, which is really nice because you don't have to deal with sort of the constant churn of the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my day job is is fully on the internet. And so there are a lot of things that are clickier than other things mm-hmm. that I would save for the web Yeah, that I wouldn't print. We, we had a writer go to Stockholm and go to uh, one of the immigrant neighborhoods that has a lot of uh, Syrian and Iraqi refugees, and he had coffee with them. And it's this sort of you know, 2,000, 2,500 word long form piece that's broken up into these little vignettes about all of the different ways in which these people are assimilating over coffee, the one thing that binds all Swedish people, mm-hmm. right? And so that's not something that we would ever be able to run right. in Bon Appetit, to my knowledge. And, right, you know, maybe that's for the better just because of the way that magazine's structured and the way that uh, consumers want to read it. But if you start that way from issue one, it's like, that's what's expected of you. Yeah. If you're trying to juggle a lot of things every day, like maybe a side hustle and a main hustle, or if you're just trying to juggle things like getting your laundry done, going grocery shopping and getting to work on time, it can be really, really difficult to actually fit in time at the gym. Or if you're like me and you just hit the snooze button 55 million times in the morning, it's probably hard for you to get in a morning workout when... You wake up 15 minutes before you need to actually leave for work. Between the price of boutique fitness classes and managing your schedule, getting an affordable workout is pretty much impossible. But I recently discovered an awesome fitness app that is a real game changer. And if you like podcasts, you're especially going to love it. I'm talking about SkyFit. It's a new on-demand fitness app with audio-based workouts that work with your schedule. So you can take studio quality classes in whatever you like. Running, cycling, the elliptical, or yoga with top trainers wherever you are. At home, outside, in the gym, at a hotel, literally anywhere. You set the parameters of your workout and SkyFit does the rest. You can even track your stats right within the app. And if you're feeling stuck doing the same boring workout, SkyFit has more than 50 new classes that are added each month. It's like having a personal trainer right in your phone and being able to take boutique-style fitness classes whenever you want. And the best part? For Adulthood Made Easy listeners, SkyFit is offering you the first month free. Just go to skyfitapp.com and enter code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get one month of free unlimited classes.
what was it like for you to build a business? Because I also think that a lot of people, not a lot of people, but some people like a side hustle is much more casual. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it's just a writing project or maybe they start a blog, which mm-hmm. definitely a ton of work, but it's different in terms of your, like you said, you're trying to hopefully monetize this. Ideally, yeah. like it has to pay for it. You know, 120 yeah. pages have to pay for themselves. You have to put it to print. I know you've yeah. been sold in Barnes and Noble and other bookstores and things like that. So what was it like for you to, at 24 years old, old as I am, create a business? Well, thankfully, my brother is experienced with building businesses. He's, I would say in some ways he's a serial entrepreneur, but not in at all a negatively connoted way. Mm-hmm. He's just very good at monetizing things. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good at it. And he sort of took the lead on getting us all in the mindset of how we were going to build it if we wanted to be ad-free, which was all our dream. And I mean, to this point, it works and the magazines pay for themselves. The money that we make and we do make profit goes into increasing our print runs. So the first print run for Drift was about 2,000 copies. Then we increased to 5,000 and then now we're at 12,000. And so we keep sort of ballooning our print runs and that's where the money goes. But at first we were sort of selling directly to coffee shops, which was new for all of us, but then also new for the coffee shops, which aren't traditional retail venues. Mm -hmm. I have some experience with retail marketing data. Right. (laughs) So I knew like sort of what objects people buy where. In particular, my area of focus was brick and mortar. Yeah. So that was really helpful. And then once we were in a couple of coffee shops and we had some data to back up what we thought would happen and we then they were selling, we started pitching, you know, Whole Foods and Anthropology and West Elm and Costs and Barnes and Noble and all those places. And we started getting inquiries from distributors all over the world. And so we have one in the UK, we have one in Japan, we have one in Malaysia, we have one That's awesome. in Canada. It's my favorite thing in the world in the morning to go on Instagram and look through the hashtags and see the magazine photographed in Riga, Latvia and in Istanbul and in Sao Paulo and Manila. It's so, so crazy. That's awesome. Was there ever a time, though, that you felt like a little overwhelmed and you were like, you know what? I don't think I can do I don't think I can be an editor of a magazine and work a day job and have a life and remember to do my laundry like was there ever a time when you because I think that happens where you're like oh my god I got myself in over my head with this project and that's probably why I have 800 half filled notebooks and yeah I know discarded things when I finally got my job at Bon Appetit and I started working the job which is it's the first job I've had where from the moment I walk in to the moment I leave, I am working, working. Yeah, on a web team, especially. Yeah, exactly. These days. Yeah. And so, well, I mean, we're strapped. Right. Who, who is in? Story of our lives. Yeah. Right. And it's great. And it's, but it requires a lot of energy to do it. Right. And so it was the first time where I came home from work and I was like, I'm tired. Right. What do I do? And so... I don't know. I kind of have been pushing through it. What do you do for yourself to like allow yourself to recharge? So I always go out on the weekends, uh, (laughs) which has it's a priority. It's one of those things where if I don't see my friends, if I don't blow off some steam, it's not going to be pretty. 
But that also means being very disciplined about my weekend days generally, especially in the morning hours when most of my friends are sleeping. So right. like 10 a.m. All those like weird hours before noon. Yeah, t- exactly. <laughs> 10 a.m. on a Saturday, no one's doing anything. And that's right. when I'm doing drift. Yeah. I was going to say, when do you find yourself most productive for your personal project? Yeah. So definitely in the mornings. Starting these magazines, I became a morning person. Yeah. I now wake up, I guess, around 6 and I sit in bed, whatever, for like 30 minutes, but then shower and then from about seven to whatever, nine when I have to leave, I'm working mm-hmm. and I'm really fresh and I make myself a nice breakfast and I feel like I'm nicely situated for the day. And then I can't work through dinner. Mm-hmm. I always watch TV. Like I'm always Netflixing and Huluing and yeah. all of that stuff. And what do you hope for yourself I hate this question, but in the I next know. like five years, <laughs> the worst. I, um, do you hope that this becomes a main hustle for you eventually? That you kind of work full time and drift and ambrosia are everywhere and everyone's reading them. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't. I think the dream it wouldn't is be always, the worst. Thing. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I think the dream is always to be your own boss, at least yeah. for me. But I think that's a long way off. Yeah. Why don't you tell people kind of where they can find you and where they can find drift and ambrosia? Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at at Alyssa R-G, E-L-Y-S-S-A-R-G, and on bonappetit.com. My byline right. is, is there. And Drift and Ambrosia, you can find at their websites, driftmag.com and ambrosiamag.com. Also on Instagram at Ambrosia Magazine and at driftmag. Very cool. So people should look those up look out for the next issues what's the next issue of drift drift will be stockholm and ambrosia will be denmark and they're due out in the next month and a half or so i love denmark i love denmark great food so good um so people have to look out for those and order and spread the word and like the instagrams because it's an awesome and a beautiful magazine i should mention absolutely gorgeous so thank you so much Alyssa, for joining us today i really appreciate your insight i'm in awe of what you do and how you balance all of it and i'm just grateful we could meet and talk about it likewise Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our editor, Tim Einenkel, and our engineer, AC Valdez. And graduation is just around the corner, so if you need a gift, grab a copy of The Real Simple Guide to Real Life, which you can get wherever books are sold. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.